Would your marriage survive if you were trapped together in a submarine? How have you managed to keep your roommates through the COVID crisis? Can we measure relationships in meaningful ways that help us foster personal growth? This is Logosish. Today we talk about the FIRO B assessment and growing healthier relationships by learning about yourself with Reverend Megan Gray. Hey guys, welcome back to Logos-ish. We are joined today by Reverend Megan Gray and we're looking forward to talking to her about her new business and the FIRO B assessment tool. It's gonna be a little bit of a different turn from what we have been typically talking about, which has been a lot, a lot, a lot of Christianity and in particular religious history and theology. So we're really excited about today. It'll be a lot of fun. Garrett has joined us. He has sailed in on his Viking longboat. Thank you, John. Yep, I said that I was uh, sampling some mead today, and the Viking jokes have uh, persisted even into the podcast. So, yep, it's been great. And then, of course, Sarah is here as well with us. Yeah, we um, Garrett is in Florida. We did not get to see him, but we just got back from a week in Florida with my father, where we sequestered in a beach house. It was wonderful. Unfortunately, Brian is not with us today. Uh, we suspect he has taken over the building or rebuilding of his parsonage on his own, and it's entirely possible that he has just ripped it down to the studs and is reconstructing it from the ground up. At least that's the impression we get from him uh, at any given point. I'm just joking, of course. He uh, is quite, quite busy today and active with his move. So best of luck to him. We hope everything gets better. How's everybody doing? Oh, I thought that was where I had <laughs> doing well, John. Just got back from the beach. I'm uh, doing well too. Is next week, so yeah. Nice. All is here. All is here. <laughs> Beautiful weather. We have charge conference here in Florida uh, this Sunday afternoon. Um, so that's going to be another marathon of a day, but it's going to be good. So other than that, been good. Yeah, since Brian's not here, he can't fact check for us, but Charge Conference is that big Methodist business meeting that most Methodist churches have every year. But let's go ahead and launch into our main program today. Like I said a minute ago, we are joined by Reverend Megan Gray. Megan, it's so great to have you on. How are you doing today? Uh, I'm good. I'm glad to be here to talk and introduce myself. So. So tell us about you, Megan. How did how did you get to this point in life? So I um I'm an ordained United Methodist pastor. I'm served in the local church for 16 years. I am married to a United Methodist pastor. Good for you. Um, and so this past year, we came to the conclusion this was pre-COVID that after serving for 16 years in two separate congregations, that we were ready to be a part of the same worshiping community. And so I had some desires to not be a generalist. I know those of you who are in ministry often feel like you have to know a little bit about everything. Um, And so I sort of wanted to focus in a little bit. And so that's what I'm doing this year. I'm focusing in on relationships and what it means to be in relationship with other people. And John said we weren't going to talk theology, but... (laughs) That's sort of one of the reasons I actually got into doing what I'm doing with relationships. So I uh, do what I do all because of the Trinity. 
So there's, there's a big, good theology topic for you. I love it. Um, yeah, say more. I am a, a big believer that we were created for a community. We were created in the image of God who is three in one. And um, because of that, we were made for one another. Um, I think one of the biggest parts of our sanctification process is being the best we can to the people in our lives and becoming you united with them, I guess, in the sense that the Trinity is one, that we can aim for that in our relationships with other people or the community in general. So it's one of those things that sometimes we just assume we know how to do, but it turns out we're not actually very good at it. <laughs> in fact, I feel a little bit like I found out that I'm not very good at it uh, in <laughs> our session a couple of weeks ago, but we can talk about that in a minute. So tell us a little bit about specifically what you're doing right now, because you're, you're no longer serving as a sort of traditional church pastor. You right. instead have, have pivoted uh, to essentially starting your own business, right? I did. I am doing what I'm calling relationship enrichment. So I use the FIRO-B, which we'll talk about in a little bit, not only for individuals and leaderships and the way they're in relationship with people they work with and people who are they're serving if they're pastors, but also we have done it with spouses, a session with um, brothers before, and um, also teams. So church staff, you know, church councils, those kind of things. So that's sort of what I'm doing. I took a, a coaching class that I can pair with that. I'm doing that and being a stay-at-home mom for the first time in my life. So I didn't want a full-time job because I knew that um, I was going to have to do some mom work. And when COVID hit, I had to do a lot more mom work than I ever imagined I was going to have to do. So it's been a very good mix for us. And along with that, I get to do fun things like teach small groups at a church without being a pastor and show up to volunteer and do those kind of things, which is is pretty great, actually. <laughs> Does that mean you get to say what you want without having to worry about any of the consequences? <laughs> I mean, my husband's the pastor, so there are always consequences. <laughs> but it is a lot more freeing than it has traditionally been, for sure. Yeah, I think that clergy spouse is a ministry all its own, and as Garrett's wife, Laurel, will attest to you. Oh, yes. That it must be very interesting to transition from the very specific ministry of senior pastor to clergy spouse. Yeah, I've had to keep my mouth shut a lot because <laughs> um, I'm not the pastor, right? So I know that Brad comes home with stuff and he's just like venting and he really doesn't want my advice. So I have to be like, you're not in charge. And it's interesting how church members reach out to me versus him. They feel more comfortable and I have more people's phone numbers already in my phone than he does because people text me and how are you doing and what can we do? And that's been super interesting. He's like, how do you know those people? I was like, well, I talked to them or I met them or they want yeah. to take lunch or, you know, those kind of strange things, which is a lot more fun when you're not the pastor. It doesn't feel like a job. It's like, oh yeah, I would love to get coffee with you. <laughs> so it's been, it's been really good. It's yeah. Crazy. Laurel's time is very sought after by uh, the members of my church, uh, just because, you know, um, they're like, oh, what's it like to be a professor? What's it like to study philosophy? What do you guys talk about? It was like, well, at the house, generally, what's for dinner and who's going <laughs> to cook at this time? But yeah, it's it's interesting, at least 
watching her navigate that space because she's like, yeah, it's weird at some points because people will either come to me and ask me about things. And she's like, yeah, I always just direct them to you because you have this answer and I don't. That is true too. That was actually one of the best. I don't know if y'all as a clergy couple have ever had this, but I was always the most proud when one of like Brad's church members came to me and asked me a question and I had no idea what they were talking about. I was like, I don't, I don't know what you're talking about. And I was always like, oh, that means we're not talking about work at home constantly. That's a really good sign. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So now I have to ask, Sarah, do you always know what I'm talking about? And should we be worried? No, actually. Uh, The the fun thing about, so John got moved a couple years ago. And so the, the church that he's at is a little bit further away than his previous church. We were right next to each other. So my pastor's spouse duty is that I'm a member of the garden club. At John's church. So I often know garden club stuff, (laughs) but nothing else. That seems healthy to me. (laughs) If John's talking about something, I can say, is that so-and-so from the garden club? If not, I've gotten, I got nothing. And I've never been, we used to do pulpit swaps. I have not done that yet. All right. Well, why don't we get into the detail stuff and talk a little bit about relationships and specifically what your project is how you work on coaching relationships. And in particular, you know, we, we had talked off audio about conversing primarily about the, the tool that you use to evaluate and explore relationships, which is the FIRO B. So why don't we start there? Can you tell us a little bit about what a FIRO B is? Because it doesn't really sound like a, a word most humans use. No, it does not. It does not roll off the tongue. Um, so FIRO B is a tool that is done by the Myers-Briggs company and Brad and I actually both took the FIRO B as a part of the Reynolds leadership program. So if anybody is listening, who's done Reynolds, they will know the FIRO B that's sort of a big part of Reynolds. Um, we did Reynolds separately. And so as all like, you know, really exciting, fun programs, you know, Brad came home talking about it and I was like, I don't. I don't know what you're talking about. But then I went the next year and we came back together and started comparing our personality assessments. And when we saw the scores for the FIRO B, which stands for fundamental interpersonal relation orientation behaviors, we were shocked. And not that we were surprised, it just explained so many things to us. Um, because the, what the FIRO B measures is how you behave, sort of what your behaviors are in interpersonal relationships and what your interpersonal needs are. And so those three needs are inclusion, control, and affection. And we were very different, which again was not surprising, but it explained lots of places in our relationship that weren't bad. We had a good marriage. So people say, well, why do I need to do this? I have, our marriage is fine. We didn't have a bad marriage, but it's just some places where we rubbed. I was like, oh, that, that's why we're doing this. And we've been able to, the word we use in Biro is flex to say, oh, if he needs this or doesn't need it, then I, we need to flex in order to accommodate one another's needs. And what is a relationship if not accommodating somebody else's needs? Like that is literally like what a whole relationship is. But it's also important for you to understand your own needs um, and to have those needs met. And I think 
sometimes as Christians, we think that being the best Christian is not asking for what we need. Does that make sense? It makes total sense. Yet I think it makes us better people and, and better friends and spouses and brothers and sisters and all those things when we do, when we can talk about what we need. So that's part of what FIRO, I think for me, has helped in that sense. So the, what I'm doing now is we do workshops on Zoom, which, you know, is what life is right now because of COVID. <laughs> but it's allowed me to, you know, you can do it with anybody from everywhere. So that's sort of a plus. I think that my Zoom stuff is fun. I hope it's fun. <laughs> it's not just a normal like lecture. There's lots of activities. Yeah, we uh, had a great time when we uh, got together with you and, and the crew that we hung out with a couple weeks ago. And I think we both also felt like we learned a lot, especially about the areas, those need areas where, you know, we're thinking about things one way, thinking we might fall into different categories. Me especially, I wound up in the middle of a lot of stuff. Mm-hmm. And uh, the more I've thought about that, that has explained so many things about me. Uh, and we've been talking about it pretty much constantly since it's added, it's re- been reintroduced into our like steady diet of conversations about various personality tests and why they match us in the way that they do. Uh, but the fire of B in particular is really interesting to me because the, the original creator of it was focused on developing high performance teams with the Navy, right? You know, he was That's right. thinking about submarines and people who are going to be locked together for a long time. And, you know, what a great sort of, environment to really look at this kind of stuff if you're stuck in a box together and you're not getting out. Sounds like marriage, right? I mean... (laughs) You're nodding a little too enthusiastically. (laughs) Not in a bad way. It's a great box. Like, who else would you want to be in a box with? Right. Nobody else. But also during COVID, it's more like a submarine. (laughs) Yeah, I was going to say the same thing. You know, like you're you know, you're hiding away, but you're together too. So, you know, you gotta make sure you anticipate one another's needs. Also give one another space. (laughs) Absolutely. So let's talk about what the measurement of the FIRA B is aimed at. So you talked about those three fundamental areas. So there's inclusion, there's control, and there's affection. And we'll talk about it. I'd love it if you could talk about some of the specifics of each of those. Yeah. Also, there's an expressed and a wanted score. So like what you show other people and then what you want to receive, right? Right. So there are, there's lots of numbers, but there's six core numbers. It's on a scale from zero to nine, zero being low, obviously nine being high. Um, The assessment has one question for every point. Inclusion um, is all about whether you want to include others in your life. And this particularly has to do with groups. Um, That's your expressed inclusion score or whether you want to be included in groups. And that's your wanted inclusion score. So you might, if you're sitting around thinking like, I'm a joiner, I like to join things. You're probably have a high expressed inclusion score. But if you like want to be invited to things, and included that way, then you might have a high wanted inclusion score. They could both be high, they can both be low. Control has to do with whether you want to be in control of the situation or whether you are happy with others being in control. In fact, you might want other people to sort of take charge and be in control of the situation. So expressed is you wanting to take control 
And one is you allowing others or wanting others to take control. And then affection is um, more about one-on-one relationships. And do you express affection to others in your life one-on-one? Um, how, how much you want to do that and then how much you want others to express affection to you. Okay. So um, I'm just going to use my own score as sort of like a, a, a thing to talk about. Yeah. So I had a ver- I had a zero for expressed control and five for wanted control. So what would somebody, what kind of, and how did you compare John? On control. On control? Yeah. So I want no control (laughs) at all. I think I had a solid zero in wanted control. Okay. So we're pretty comparable in that. Yeah. I moderately want to control other things, but only insofar as, you know, things are getting done the right way, right? (laughs) I'm happy to cede that over to somebody else. But, you know, I definitely do not want somebody else in charge of me if I don't want them to be. Yeah, so John and I's high areas were for me affection and for him inclusion. So can you distinguish a little bit between inclusion and affection and what those personalities might look like? Between inclusion and affection? Yes. So, I mean, somebody can be high in both of those, right? So it's not necessarily like one or the other. But if you are high on inclusion, so let's say, let's talk about at work. This would be somebody who wants to work with a team and wants to include everybody in the decision-making process. If you're high in inclusion, like you're all about having the meetings, inviting other people to join in. Um, if you're, if you have high expressed inclusion, now, if you have high, if you have low expressed inclusion, you're like, I got this. I don't need you to help me to make a decision. We don't have to call a meeting. We're good. So that's sort of my, how that would look in, in a workplace, affection in a workplace is still a thing, right? So you might be somebody, if you have high expressed affection in a workplace, you might be the person who gives lots of compliments, who notices and sees that other people are doing well and says something about it. Um, you might walk over to somebody's desk and chit chat. And another word to think use, um, in fact, there's a Fire business tools and they actually use connection. So you want to foster connections, one-on-one connections, if you have a high expressed affection score. And if you have a low expressed affection score, you're okay sitting at your desk. You know, you just sort of are like, it's fine. People know they're doing a good job. I don't need to say anything. And you sort of aren't as concerned about that one-on-one connection. I will say this though, there are no bad scores, right? There's not one way to be or another way to be. It's just who you are, but everybody else is who they are too. And so some scores work better together than others. And so it's about flexing when you need to for other people. Right. But there isn't a fundamental assumption that these scores never change, right? They, these scores do change. So the MBTI for Myers-Briggs, you know, they say you are what you are. So I'm an ENFP. I've been an ENFP for my entire life. It's never changed. Um, and I took that, I took it young. My grandfather was a huge MBTI fan. In fact, it's so crazy to me that I'm like trained in Myers by Myers-Briggs now because he had us doing these tests with pictures when I was young and I was an ENFP then. And so that doesn't change, but the fire B actually can change you can work on something that you think you need to work on for your situation in life and go back and take the test later. And it might be different. It also is 
very sensitive to your surroundings and the situation you're in at that time. So if your work situation completely changes, you probably change a little bit and your scores might reflect that. In Florida, uh, we didn't take uh, this, but they've had us take a whole host of different types of personality um, and spiritual gift ones. And um, the one that I had to take recently in starting my new appointment was the Tony Robbins uh, disc uh, motivators. And so I always thought that was interesting as well. So my question is, do you think your current assessment is better or, you know, just a different flavor of like what these other uh, assessments are trying to do? Well, it's very different, I think. So it's different in that it is, it is about needs. It isn't necessarily who you are. It's what you need. So that's where I see the difference of um, between like disc or it's, it's almost not a personality in some respects, right? It's almost not a personality test. It's a Mm. test about your interpersonal needs. So what it tells you is not necessarily who you are. It tells you, okay, this is how you're operating in the world because of what you need. And you're, you're operating that way, whether you know it or not. And so when Mm. you know it, you move through life and behave a certain way because of your needs. Mm -hmm. Um, But you don't know that you do that necessarily. And when you see your scores and realize what's been happening, I think it's a real aha moment. Like, oh, this is why I have been doing this. And this is why it works well for some people maybe and why it doesn't work so well for other people. So earlier you mentioned that oftentimes as Christians, we try to suppress our needs in a lot of ways. And and I think that it's actually a message that's reinforced over and over in our lives as Christians um, to like give up yourself to make other people comfortable. Can you talk a little bit more about the sort of spiritual understanding of asking for what you need communication wise? Um, How does that look? How does it look to say, this is what I need? This is how I operate. If you can, how does that relate to our Christian understanding? So there are healing stories in the New Testament and the gospels where Jesus says to people, what do you need? There's your biblical basis for it. You know, Jesus was like, came straight out and asked. And it was only when they could sort of say like, oh, well, I need to be healed that Jesus is like, okay, let's do it. So I think that's part of like my push towards like speaking things. It also goes back to like basic, when we have our needs met, we can focus on other things. So if you, you know, you're talking about, the hierarchy of needs they say like if you're not getting like the basic needs met you can't go on to like higher order functions it's not possible but i think that's sort of the same for us with our interpersonal needs as well like if some needs are not getting met then we're we're not operating in our in our best selves for other people and it goes back in some ways to just sabbath and rest too right like we have to take care of ourselves and we can take care of ourselves we can take care of other people Yeah, that makes perfect sense. And, you know, one of the things that comes to mind as we talk about this and personality tests more in general is um, Sarah and I some time ago read Merv Emery's book, The Personality Brokers, which is a history of the Myers-Briggs and is frankly an incredible and wild ride 
you know, just truly, truly fascinating. You know, there's something to be said for women who are taking care of their children at home and also using them in psychology experiments. (laughs) I feel like there's a long history of advancing psychology through that, that we have really just not talked about enough at all. But uh, all joking aside, one of the things that comes up repeatedly in the book is how personality tests give us a language for speaking about ourselves uh, that mirrors and reflects the similar sorts of language in, in mystical traditions, in traditions that ask us to contemplate and to pray and to meditate and to reflect for long, long hours. And in some ways, we, I think, culturally tend to treat personality tests a little bit as a way to bypass that. But I also see some potential in marrying these two things together. Oh, I love that. I mean, again, if we are created in the image of God, knowing ourselves means knowing God better, right? Like, so in order to really like get down, and that's very Richard Rohr too, right? Like getting to know like your true self is a way to connect with your creator. And, and I think Fyro works well in that like we're, uh, we are all created differently and that's something to celebrate, but because of that, it makes relationships hard sometimes. Um, mm-hmm. And so knowing ourselves and how we operate in the world can help us, I think, to be in better relationships with other people. That's beautiful. I love that. Especially the Imago Day piece about knowing ourselves better helps us to know God better. It's um... Yeah, I mean, and I will say, you know, we're broken. We're not a perfect image of God. <laughs> like, you know, that is true too. But in order to become a more perfect image of God, we have to do work. That does not just come. So that's part of that work. One thing that I always think about, especially when, you know, um, I talk about getting to know yourself so you can understand the image that God has for you and you want to celebrate at some point, is that a lot of people feel like they don't want to complain or like address their needs. So they take on this almost not self-martyrdom, but like that sort of self-sacrificing. And I, I think that's a very dangerous path to kind of go down because I've seen it lead to a lot of issues. Do you think that your assessment um, sort of helps people navigate those questions a little bit better, having them confront their needs? Or do you think it would make it worse? No, I think it would help. I mean, it can probably be painful. Mm -hmm. It's always a little painful when you see something and you're like, oh, you know, again, it's not good or bad, but you can see where maybe that's been a problem for you or where it's been difficult. Biro gives you good language. Sometimes we don't ask for what we need because we really don't know. And so it gives you good language to use in order to get needs met in a way. So I think it probably helps with that. The problem with self-martyrdom is if you don't think you need your own needs met, you really don't think other people need their needs met too. If your core, if it's not important for you, it's not important for anyone, which is really a problem. I don't think it takes a lot of imagination to figure out how that leads to unhealthy relationships too. Right, uh, But I'd also like to ask a follow-up question to Garrett's question. Uh, can you describe sort of one of those experiences that you've talked about? You know, it can be personal or it can be just kind of an anecdote from one of your sessions, but how have you seen people flex? How have you seen people, you know, and the, the results that you've gotten from doing these workshops with folks? How has that, you know, 
can you give us a little more concrete description of how that has changed the way they relate interpersonally to each other or you relate? Yeah, so, yes. So I worked with someone who um, just came on to a, a larger church staff and got some feedback that like she was making some decisions and people were like, well, well you didn't even ask us. And she got her inclusion scores back and surprise, surprise, like her expressed inclusion score was really low. (laughs) And she was like, oh my gosh. And so part of the, you know, part of, we asked the question, like, what is your action item? Like, what are you going to go do? Um, That's part of the workshop is like, what can you do about this? And she was, and so that was part of our brainstorm is like, well, how can now you go back and work on including other people? Because that was a place where she, in order to work with this new team was going to have to flex. They expected to be included and she didn't need to include people. Now I say this also, just because you didn't need to include people doesn't mean you can't do it. Just because it's not one of your needs doesn't mean you're not capable it's just not your go-to. So flexing is possible and it's not even actually sometimes that hard, but we don't even know we need to do it until we figure that out. So I will say too, personally, one of the things about Brad and I is Brad has super low affection scores and I have super high affection scores. (laughs) So that was part of, I was like, this makes so much sense. But what I've learned is to not need as much of that from him And I have friends and other people in my lives where I get some of that, right? Like, which is a good thing for a marriage is not to expect your spouse to meet all your needs. And so I had to learn like, okay, who are my other friends who have high affection scores who are willing to like do that with me and go back Mm -hmm. and forth and like fill me up and I could fill them up at the same time. And so those are some people I've surrounded myself with that I know like when Brad's been with people all day and comes home that I can be like, no, I'm good. Cause I've had four other conversations today, you know, I, I, but I have to make that effort particularly now that I'm home alone. I have to make that effort to do that and reach out and fill that need. So I'm not just draining him all the time. Yeah. I came up with one of those low middling affection scores on the expressed area. And so it occurred to me that area where I tend to express affection less definitely is in the professional sphere. You know, Mm -hmm. I'm perfectly happy to sit back at uh, like a 10 foot remove and be like, your problems are your problems. And if you want to talk to me about them, that's cool, but I'm also not going to seek it out, Uh, which is maybe not the best attitude all the time for a pastor to have. Uh, And so, you know, for me, like that's definitely become a growth area is to stretch out and try to, you know, make that extra effort in different kinds of ways. I just had a giant order come from Vistaprint and I'm going to be trying to handwrite notes to people. That's my project for stretching that I'm doing right now. That was one of your action items. (laughs) You're actually doing it. I really am. I don't know that I totally meant it when I said it on the thing. (laughs) And then I said, I have to do this. I love it. That's awesome. Look at you keeping up with the homework. That's awesome. John could sleep through classes in seminary and then just (laughs) do all the work and get amazing grades. He has a good talent for that. I don't know. I've seen my Candler GPA recently (laughs) and it is not as high as I remember it being. (laughs) Those years were long ago. I have no, I have no remembrance of what that might have been. Oh man! So one thing that uh, I've always 
noticed, especially recently with the advent of Facebook and sort of like the mindless trolling and the wonderful articles that BuzzFeed has, is almost an obsession with these sort of personality scores is like pick your five favorite foods and we'll tell you what type of like accountant you are or something. My kids love these. They like ask. They stop me and they say, can we take BuzzFeed quizzes? So yeah. So what do you what do you think of those in relation to especially now, you know, what what you're doing? Um, I think they're probably a lot of fun and not based on absolutely anything, right? Yeah. I don't know that I see harm in them. You know, no nobody hates like taking a BuzzFeed quiz and being told they're 20. You know, you're like, oh (laughs) um Actually, I was going to ask earlier because John kept saying personality tests, and um, is is that an is that an accurate description of? The, I mean, is it more of a type I, indicator, I like, like a, a needs assessment? Is needs what assessment. Needs assessment? I get people's like wanting to do the personality and stuff. I think like most people enjoy that kind of thing, but again, I think most of it's probably not based on a lot of anything good, but you've taken, you know, I know that there's some that are, you know, the Myers-Briggs is very good about their testing. And I've even had some questions about, you know, how well they incorporate, you know, people from other cultures and places. Um, and so one of the, that, those questions, actually, before you took it, you can opt into a demographic study so that they are gaining information worldwide and making the validity even better. But I mean, that's always something to look at if you're actually being really serious about any kind of assessment is what's its validity. Myers-Briggs assessments have pretty high validity. I don't know the percentage, but I'm sure like DISC and other ones do too. But this is back to even the Enneagram stuff is um, folks all the time say, well, I took an Enneagram test, but there's like a million and you don't know anything about their validity or where they came from. And hardcore Enneagram people will tell you like, there's no test. Like you don't take a test, but people still love to do it, you know, cause they don't want to do the work. They just want somebody to tell them. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, sitting in a room alone with your own thoughts can be kind of challenging for some of us. <laughs> uh, but I will have to say that the Buzzfeed, which office character slash which parks and rec character are you is completely and hundred percent accurate. Oh, I will have to go find that one. <laughs> I, I am, in fact, a mix between Jim Halpert and Ron Swanson. <laughs> see it. I can see it. Yeah, that's there you pretty, go. That's accurate. I think I can attest to the validity of that. <laughs> <laughs> so the only reason I remember that test is because Garrett is the one who brought up the BuzzFeed quizzes. And the last time we were at your house, Garrett, we spent, what, like three hours sitting in a circle with our cell phones, like taking BuzzFeed quizzes together. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, I, there's a lot of wholesome time uh, spent with BuzzFeed quizzes in our house just because, you know, like you just need that five or 10 minutes to do something dumb. But yeah. That's so funny. I had this um, urge recently. I don't know what this came from. Like, I just want to be silly, you know, like just yeah. do that's frivolous and silly and like has no eternal meaning whatsoever I think because the world's so heavy right like Mm -hmm. maybe that is the BuzzFeed itch like just you know there's no consequences to this it's just fun and wholesome and that's what it is yeah I think we do like to know about ourselves and see ourselves in other 
characters like Ron Swanson or <laughs> I mean, it's, it's helpful. There is a desire to know ourselves. And I think one of the things that was interesting about the FIRO B is I love any sort of type indicator, personality assessment, anything, Enneagram, MBTI, whatever. The FIRO B felt very practical and very useful in a way that initially I was kind of like, this isn't going to tell me which Harry Potter house I should be in. But the knowing my communication needs is is actually, as it turns out, almost more helpful than knowing which Harry Potter house I would be in. And there are still BuzzFeed quizzes for that. Almost. Almost. (laughs) And I like that it's practical for all aspects of your life. Like it's relationships, right? Mm -hmm. There's no part of our life that is not filled with relationships. So um, you can take either the FIRO B or the FIRO business, but they still apply at home, at work, you know, in all the places, which that. It doesn't always happen with those either. Like you can have some applicable things in all those different places. So, and I am starting to see some overlap. I have started asking, like asking people like if they know their Enneagram number, you know, um, I haven't done it long enough to like have any good data on that, but like where people fall. So there is some overlap in things, I think. I have a lot of colleagues that love the Enneagram and I've never taken it. And I'm like, I don't know what number I would be. And everyone's like, oh, you're this number because of that response. I'm like, cool. I guess I'm that number. Um, (laughs) Sarah, what number is Garrett? Yeah, what number am I again? I love diagnosing people, but honestly, Garrett, I don't know. (laughs) There you go. Uh, I am a unique person in and of myself. Yeah. Like before John took it, I was like, you're a seven. And he took it. a seven. <laughs> but um, and yeah, sometimes I have an inkling. I don't know. Maybe you're a special type. Maybe you're a 10, Garrett. Sweet. You're off the scale. On a scale of one to nine, I am a 10. Um, <laughs> I appreciate Love that. It. Yeah. Um, but uh, especially with the disc assessment, like uh, the one thing that it said that I was, was very much a networking person. And I've taken other personality or these um professional tests and storytelling, gathering information. The one that I like the most, and I forget the the name of the test, but I took it about three years ago, was like, I'm a collector. They say I'm a collector and you can collect anything like stories or experiences or physical objects. I'm like, oh, I'm very much a collector. I like to be in the midst of people and sort of like anticipate and see their needs and see their history and then kind of move forward from there. So I would be curious what my FIRO B report would say about me and like my needs and how that sort of interacts with these other things that I've been sort of gathering, Um, even though I haven't taken like uh, the Enneagram test or I have like an old copy of my Myers-Briggs somewhere. I think I'm an ENFJ, if I remember correctly. But do you plan to sort of uh, use those other other assessments to sort of build your understanding and helping folks? That's a good question. Um, I would love to do that. Do you know how expensive it is to get trained to use this? I think for the Enneagram, you just read a book. and Yeah, Enneagram is different, but um, to do the other ones, it's, you know, it's upwards of like $2,000 to be certified in those Mm -hmm. things. My plan right now is not to do that. So we'll see where it goes. I mean, I... 
I don't see this. I love doing what I'm doing right now. I don't know that this is what I'm going to do forever. I think it's a great thing for me to do right now. But one of the, the benefits of doing this is that I can always do it. But I foresee myself going back into the local church at some point and hopefully still being able to do some of this for people and for churches. But I know that this probably isn't a forever thing. And I say that because probably some of my need scores. I am not a work at home person. Like I'm doing it this year. It was very necessary. It's, it's not bad. It's actually good for me. But, you know, Brad says, what is the thing you miss the most? And I said, I miss going into an office with people. Now that's also probably COVID related too, but that still would probably be the same. You know, like that is one of my needs is to be around people and to collaborate and to include and to do that. And man, when you're an entrepreneur starting your own business and it's just you, you don't get a lot of that. So. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, one last question. We're about to hit the Marie Kondo segment <laughs> of our podcast as we are officially naming it, unless they sue us, in which case uh, I didn't say any of that. And even if this is recorded, you can't prove anything. Right. But, you can also talk about uh, Brian's marvelous mustache uh, as well. <laughs> but, uh, and I'd like to start with this, with you, Megan, for this question. You know, what is bringing you joy right now? What would you keep in your house, even if you were going to throw everything else out? Your house of life, not <laughs> I got the it. Metaphorical mind palace of life. <laughs> I am loving being, I'm loving the season and being outside. And I'm so thankful for my chair and table outside in the backyard and these beautiful like 70 degree days. And I will take them, I will take them for as long as I can get them. It makes me so, so happy. And I can spend right now, I can work on the porch outside. Like it's, that part is fantastic. That is bringing me joy. So lovely. And I just remembered that you moved upstate. So Cooler, right? Yeah. It's not 90 degrees out. It's been in the 70s and in the 50s at night. It is fabulous. Oh, it's 85 here today. And I was like, still having in my mind that you were in Charleston. And I was like, does she think yeah, it is? It is warm. It is warm today. I will say it's in the 80s today, but we've had some beautiful, beautiful days. South Carolina is a very cool state and that it's, you know, we really have beach and mountains. And I just have to remember which part of the state that people live in. That's right. <laughs> Yeah, it's 90 here right now in Florida, so there's that. I mean, I grew up in Miami, so I get it. Like, get it. (laughs) So, Garrett, what would you keep in your metaphorical mind palace of life? (laughs) Oh, mind palace? I know. I think recently uh, what I've been doing, and Laurel has been not necessarily dragging me into it, but we're sort of doing this together, but we're swimming multiple days a week. Um, Our friends have this like really awesome community pool with like actual lanes. So we're swimming, you know, for about an hour or so, like multiple times a week. And that's just been good exercise and getting out of the house. So like part of my mornings, uh, I go and do that. And then I go back into the office or back into work. And it's just been a, it's been it's been a good experience. So I've, I've liked that recently. So I'm going to say Star Trek. <laughs> John and I are kind of new Trekkies, I guess. We've sort of digested uh, 
it started with Picard on CBS All Access and then Discovery. And now we've started Lower Decks and The Next Generation and an official podcast with Tani Newsom and uh, Paul F. Tompkins, which is an excellent podcast. Um, so we've really, it's been a nice little bit of escapism and I had no idea it was in me. I've been a Star Wars fan my whole life, but uh, Star Trek is fairly new to me. So I'm going with Star Trek. You're such a nerd. I know. <laughs> such a huge, giant nerd. And I love you so much. There, that's the obligatory once in a day affection thing. And it has been recorded. There is proof. I didn't hear it. I, my, I had my thing on mute. What, can you say that again? <laughs> So I guess to round it out then, um, my piece of joy, the thing that's bringing me life is the anticipation. I have to say anticipation because Showtime is not selling the episodes yet. You have to get a subscription. But um, Warrior, the, the TV show Warrior has returned to Showtime. It's based on a treatment Bruce Lee wrote in the 70s that his daughter decided to bring back around and, and try to get it made the right way. He wrote it planning to be the star of the show. And at the time, Hollywood was uh, more racist than it was today and chose not to cast him in favor of somebody else. So they did an excellent job with season one. And I'm just staring at the television screen waiting for season two. And I'm so excited about it. And the anticipation is bringing me so much joy, along with a deep deep residual frustration <laughs> that I experience every single day. But I'm so excited. I'm ready for new amazing Kung Fu sequences. It's going to be great. Warrior. I'll have to look that one up. Both television shows this week and Megan and Garrett had lovely outdoor. <laughs> uh, I mean, so I'll say I finally like started back on watching Call the Midwife. Oh, yeah. Watching some things like Insecure and... What was the other one? Anyway, some really like hardcore shows. And I'm like, oh, yeah, <laughs> these sweet stories. That maybe, maybe I need to be careful of what I'm digesting media wise. <laughs> yeah. We've been uh, watching a lot of trash TV in the house. Uh, I guess the only thing of substance has been the Umbrella Academy. We're slowly watching that together. So no one's been talking about it recently. So it was like the perfect time to hop back into it. So season two. This has been your ad for Netflix. Uh, Netflix, if you're listening to this, we would love it if you would pay us. Right. In the meantime, however, guys, thank you so much for listening. We've had a lot of fun this week. Uh, Megan, where can people find you if they would like to become better at, I guess, relationships? Yeah. So inspireandrespond.com is my website where you can find out all the different things that I'm offering and doing right now. And also inspire respond on Instagram and inspire and respond on Facebook and Twitter. You can find me there too. So yeah, I try to do little um, on Instagram, little different things for different parts of your life um, throughout the week. So family, spouse, friends, work, just little tips and tricks. Well, maybe we can share some of those. I think Garrett has put together our Instagram account finally. We've been slowly building up new social media accounts. Yes, Megan, thank you so much for being with us today. It has been an absolute delight as always. Thank you guys for allowing me to come. It's been great. Love talking with other people. 
Hey guys, this is John. Thanks for listening to another great episode of Logos-ish. This week's music was by Audionautics.com. If you have any questions or thoughts, or if you'd like to have your music featured on the podcast, be a guest on the podcast, or suggest a topic for us to cover, send us an email to logosishpod at gmail.com. You can also follow us on Twitter at logosishpod. Please like, subscribe, and review wherever you downloaded this podcast. That helps us get the word out about all the cool stuff that we're working on, and we'd love to hear your feedback as well. Have a great week.